Hey everybody, welcome to a new edition of the Peach Pit for today, December 28th. My name's Jason Longshore. I'm one of the managing editors at DirtySouthSoccer.com. Check us out on the web, DirtySouthSoccer.com. Check us out on Twitter at DirtySouthSoc, S-O-C, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DirtySouthSoccer. Uh, tonight, 8 o'clock, we'll be hosting our regular weekly ATL soccer chat on Facebook Live. Join us, uh, bring your questions, uh, bring some comments on this here Peach Pit, and anything else you want to talk about tonight, we'll go for at least an hour, and it's a good time. It's been growing uh, very steadily, uh, as has the Atlanta United fan base. So what I wanted to get into today is I wrote a piece last night out uh, on DirtySouthSoccer.com called Tiki Tata, looking at Martino's likely tactics with Atlanta United and then kind of getting into how they will affect the club's remaining acquisitions. So check out that piece. It gives you a pretty good description of how Martino's teams have played and, and talks about some of the variety in formations that you'll see with Martino. The biggest thing to keep in mind is Martino is a 4-3-3 guy. Now, 4-3-3 is not as simple as it sounds. You know, in that family of formations or styles of play or game systems, whatever you want to call it, and I think everybody has their own term for it, Martino, I think, typically likes to play a 4-1-4-1. The difference in a 4-1-4-1 and a 4-2-3-1, for example, is the role of the central midfield. So when you hear 4-3-3, it's easy to think left, center, right. And in this formation, the midfield does not look like that. It's a triangle. And the biggest difference is in Martino's systems, typically, and this is not all the time, he likes to have two more attacking midfielders in front of one more defensive midfielder. That's why you saw Javier Mascherano with Barcelona and with Argentina and also Sergio Busquets when he was at, Ar at Barcelona um, really feature. Uh, Mascherano even played in the back during Martino's time there because of his you know, abilities that he brought to the table. That's very important as to how Atlanta United will look. And I think you'll see both during the season, depending on who ends up in the central midfield roles. Right now, I think they're better suited with the players they have to probably play two defensive or play a more defensive midfielder in one of the attacking roles. You know, there, there's been a lot of talk, and this is something that has kind of come back into vogue, I think, in, in the soccer tactics world, is using numbers to describe the, the players' formations. And I'll do a piece you know, more about the history of that and kind of how it fits Tata's system. There's actually a great comment on my article from yesterday from Chris Jones, ATL, where he really digs into how the the numbers work and, and his guesses at how Tata's numbers will fit. For this midfield setup, just so you kind of understand where I'm going here, what Tata, I think, wants is a number six, a defensive midfielder to play in front of the back line and shield the back line and also be comfortable enough to step into the back line either when the team's under severe pressure or when the outside backs go forward and it kind of turns into three in the back. So you need a defensive midfielder who's comfortable as a you know auxiliary center back. 
And you have two of those. You have Jeff Lorenowitz, who's played both, not quite equally, but close to it in his MLS career. And you have Chris McCann, who's played more in the midfield, but can drop into the back line when necessary. That's a nice fit for Martino and what he wants to do. Right now, with the players he would have at his disposal, if he had a game tomorrow, I think you'd see Lorenowitz, McCann, and Almiron in the central midfield. When you get into the 6, the 8, the 10, the 6 is the defensive midfielder, the anchor, the you know the most defensive midfielder you have. An 8 is more of a box-to-box midfielder. Um, you can see a formation where you have two 8s in front of a 6, and that's, I think, Martino's probably most common setup. You can also see a 6, an 8, and a 10, where a 10 is the opposite of the six. They're a playmaker. They're not expected to defend. They're going to sit and play passes. Think Carlos Valderrama. There's been others that are famous. But Valderrama, I think, is a prime example of the 10 that you might be familiar with who is not going to play any defense for you, but they're going to create attacks. They're not even really expected to score a lot of goals. They're going to create attacks. In this case right now, you don't really have a true 10. Miguel Almiron has been described as a playmaker and been given the number 10 shirt. He's really more of an 8 and a more attacking-minded 8. An 8 is a central midfielder who does both, a box-to-box type of 8. In Chris Jones' description in the comments section, he says Andres Iniesta is one of the best 8s of all time. Um, Pretty good fit. You know, Iniesta is a different type of attacking 8, but... Almiron is going to be more of an eight than a 10 if he plays centrally. There's a lot of people who think he'll be pushed out to the left. I'm not so sure of that. Most of his career has been central. And I think that's, that's the idea here is for him to be the eight, either paired up with another eight who could be more attacking like Oscar Romero, the rumored signing that didn't happen or more defensive, like a Chris McCann who can play both ways. You have options here, and that's what Martino is going to want. He's going to mix and match based off how his team is playing, based off fitness, based off his depth and who's playing well, you know, coming off the bench, and based off the opposition. So you're going to see lots of different looks, but that's you know, kind of digging deeper into that piece that there's your, your tactical layout and what I think will happen. Now, Martino has shown different things at different times. He's played with two defensive midfielders at times. Paraguay in 2010 and 2011 was very interesting because they played two number nines, two center forwards. They played Roque Santa Cruz and Lucas Barrios as the two center forwards. But what would happen is either Barrios or Santa Cruz would drift out to a wing, and there was a more traditional winger on the other side. So it gave you a different type of look when you wanted to get forward quickly because you had two different type of targets. Um, You had two different targets in two different places. So you could pick your your spots. Gave them a different look that was hard for some teams to deal with. You'll see lots of different things here. I think Martino is going to be the most tactically astute manager MLS has ever seen. And I'm excited to see how he decides to attack some of the teams he'll be facing. Uh, Starting with the New York Red Bulls in the opening week, the Red Bulls play a similar type of pressing style as Martino, but I think Martino has some different ideas on how to handle that, as you've seen with his teams. Newell's old boys played a high tempo, a high pressure. Paraguay played a more defensive soaking up pressure. 
Barcelona did a little of both, and Barcelona, you know, played much less possession than they had before or after Martino during his time there, and that kind of you know rankled some nerves over you know in Barcelona with that. They won a game four nil, but had forty eight percent possession, and the fans were very upset about the possession number, which is kind of crazy to me. But whatever, that's what happens when you get so married to a style of play that you can't adjust. I think you'll see lots of things here with Tata Martino. Now, when you dig into the four three three and often that four one four one type of look, you start to look at okay, where are the holes? Where are the places that? Atlanta United and Martino will look to upgrade what they have currently. One rumor that's out there is a top level center back being added, and that could either push Zach Lloyd to the right back position or to the bench more in a rotation. Lloyd has some injury concerns, so that is not exactly a shock, uh, but he would be an expensive backup if that's his intended role here. I think you would see him play a fair bit in the center and on the right. The top-level center back, you'd be looking for a guy who can play out of the back. You'd probably be looking for a little bit bigger um, center back because Lloyd and Parkhurst, neither one, are are known for their size or aerial ability. Two other spots that I could see them upgrading, the central attacking midfield role and the left wing. Right now, I think if I was starting a lineup tomorrow, I would have Chris McCann and Jacob Peterson in those roles. I think if you add a more attacking central midfielder to pair with Almiron, you would see McCann drop to the defensive midfield role and Lorenowitz drop to the bench. And I think if you add a top-level left winger, you would see Jacob Peterson drop to the bench. But check out that piece. Dig into it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please add some comments. Uh, If you're motivated, please write a fan post for us. What I wanted to get into here after the long preamble are some of the players that could be out there that could be a fit for Atlanta United to add to upgrade their roster. One piece of information that has jumped out recently is Club America just came up short in the Liga MX final, and they've put some players up for transfer. And two of them would be great targets for MLS, one specifically for Atlanta United, Darwin Quintero is the biggest name that they've put out available for transfer. He is a striker, 29 years old, uh, valued at 3 million euro on transfer marked, which is a great site to dig into players' histories. Uh, Quintero is a second striker. Um, he's not a target forward. He has typically played with another forward, which is not something you've seen very much of out of, Mon- out of uh, Tata Martino. You could see a rehash of the Paraguay situation where you put Quintero out wide with Kenwin Jones in the middle and Vishalba out wide as well. That could work, possibly. Um, Don't think it's ideal. And I, I think Atlanta has maybe some bigger targets to look at. The other player that jumped out to me from Club America that could be a fit here straight away is Rubens Sambuesa. He is an Argentine who has acquired Mexican citizenship 32 years old, veteran. He's played in a lot of places, but he's a left winger. He can play on the right when needed. 1.8 million euro value on transfer mark. That could get you into a possible targeted allocation money type of signing. So that makes it a little more appealing that you wouldn't be using a designated player spot here. He creates chances for others. He can score as well. Passing and crossing are two of his strong suits. 
and his leadership. You know, he's been a captain at Club America. So you would be adding another key veteran. And and the way I look at this is this could be Atlanta's Maxi Rodriguez. When Tata was at Newell's Old Boys, he brought Maxi Rodriguez back um, kind of from the wilderness. Rodriguez had been you know, kind of in a, a just a, a lull in his club career. Martino brought him back to Newell's. He did very well. He was kind of the veteran presence mixed in with a lot of younger players and added a ton to that team and still playing today. Sambuesa could be that type of fit here, and he would be a great player to play in front of an Andrew Carlton for Carlton to learn from. So be on the lookout for Sambuesa. There's been some rumors about him possibly coming to MLS uh, in the past. Maybe it's more appealing now and maybe to play for a manager like Tata Martino. Could be a great fit. If you could get Sambuesa, Almiron, another attacking midfielder, and Vishalba. That's a pretty you know, fearsome front line uh, behind Kenwin Jones. Another player Club America had listed was Eric Pimentel. He would be a cheaper option as a center back. I don't think he really fits the bill of a, a top-level center back that's been rumored. He's also 5'10", so he wouldn't really give you that addition of height that I think you're looking for to balance out the back line. Two other players who have been recently linked to MLS, but not to Atlanta specifically, Rafael Robayo, a 32-year-old central midfielder uh, from Millonarios in Colombia. He played for the Chicago Fire uh, 17 games in 2012. Didn't really work out and went back to Colombia. He's played 172 games as a pro. He's a well-rounded player. Uh, what jumped out to me is he's, he's a good shot from distance, good work rate, and he can help both offensively and defensively. He could be that number eight to pair with Almiron and take some of the defensive responsibility off of him. He could also play as the six when necessary to let a Chris McCann go forward or somebody else, possibly Yamil Assad, who's been mentioned coming to Atlanta from Vela Sarsfield. That rumors kind of went quiet. So not sure where that stands. Another player who's been linked to MLS is Tabure Viudes, 27 year old winger from Nacional in Uruguay. A little more expensive, um, could be a targeted allocation money signing, might be a designated player. Another creator. He's had he's played all around the world. He's new at Nacional. You wonder if he would leave there so quickly. But he's got great speed. He's a passer. He's a dribbler. He's 27. He could be a great fit for Atlanta if he's comfortable on the left side to let Vishalba play on the right. That gives you a different type of look than Sambuesa. Sambuesa wouldn't add the speed that, that Viudez would. Viudez would just be another burner to go with Almiron and Vishalba in that front line. And with Atlanta and Tata Martino and the front office saying they want to play fast and fluid, Viudez would be a great fit for that. Um, when you look at some players who their contracts expire next summer, which means they are free to negotiate with teams starting in the, the winter transfer window. And sometimes you'll see a player decide to leave the club they're at and the club goes ahead and sells them or lets them go to move on ahead of schedule, but they can sign a pre-contract, which would mean they would play out their final six months and join their new club in the next window in the summer window. There's some big names available in this. Some of these are, just pipe dreams, in my opinion. Um, you have Jesus Navas, you have Santi Casorla, uh, you have Lucas Leva, you know, Premier League veterans. 
One that has a connection to Darren Eels is Sato Berahino at West Brom. 23 years old. He's a forward. Valued at 15 million euro on transfer marked. His contract expires in the summer, and he has a connection to Eels from Eels' time at West Brom. And I believe Eels might have tried to bring him to Tottenham when uh, he was there. That would be a big-time signing. I think it's very unlikely, but you never know. Um, A couple more likely players. There's three Argentines that jumped out to me who have expiring contracts. Two veterans, one young player. Gonzalo Rodriguez is a center back at Fiorentina, uh, 32 years old. He's valued at 6.5 million euro on transfer marked. He could possibly be ready to come back to this hemisphere, and he could be that top-level center back that you're looking for. Another uh, attacking midfielder, more of a number 10, Walter Montijo. He's playing in China with Luneng. He is an Argentine, 2.5 million euro transfer marked value, uh, 32 years old. He's played 299 professional games, 63 goals, 71 assists, can score and assist others. Uh, Montijo could be one of those signings that you don't really, you know, you don't really have a lot of hype on coming in, but could be a very good fit in Major League Soccer. The other one has actually been linked to the Houston Dynamo at one point. But it sounds like the negotiations broke down uh, due to the offer. And Houston has, has added a few other players, so I don't think that's on anymore. Uh, Eugenio Isnaldo at Newell's Old Boys. There's a Tata Martino connection for you. He's valued at 1.5 million euro on transfer marked. 22 years old, left winger. Uh, 58 games in his career, four goals, four assists, mostly off the bench. He's a young player at 22. Um he would be kind of a less heralded, you know, addition, but could be a good fit here. Like I said, Houston already looked at him. He would be a player that Martino and uh, his staff, Jorge Thieler, would know well. He could be that left winger if other options fall through to allow Almiron to stay in the middle. And you could get an Isnaldo Almiron Vishalba type of look, which again, could be quite an attacking front line. His contract appears to be up in the summer. Newell's was already looking at selling him here to MLS. Don't know what the numbers are being thrown around on him, but he could be a fit for that left wing spot. And I can't leave without mentioning Brian Dunseth's recent tweet uh, this afternoon asking if... Leverkusen was willing to sell Chicharito for $30 million. Would Atlanta or LAFC jump on that? We've talked about Chicharito. At least I think I have since Atlanta United was announced. Um, He is a player that would just light up MLS. He is a player that would light up the box office for Atlanta United or pretty much any club in MLS. You know, for a long time, I thought he would be the perfect major signing for Atlanta United. If you signed him, that would require a rethink about how you utilize Chicharito and Kenwin Jones or Brandon Vasquez. Uh, you'd have to think, does Chicharito fit into the 4-3-3, type of look that Martino likes to play? A lot of questions, but... $30 million for Chicharito. One, that would be by far the biggest transfer in MLS history. So that makes it unlikely. 
would Atlanta United be able to recoup that money if they brought in a Chicharito? You know, could you imagine what the ticket sales go to in a city that has a large Mexican population like Atlanta? You've seen what Mexican national team games have done here. What would the season ticket numbers be if Chicharito signed here? What would the walk-up crowds be if Chicharito was in an Atlanta United uniform? What would the jersey sales be if Atlanta United was able to sell a Chicharito jersey? It would be the boldest of bold moves. Um, I think it's crazy. I think that Chicharito probably is not ready to come back yet. He's not having the same year that he did last year at Leverkusen. Uh, in his first year over there, he scored 17 goals in 28 Bundesliga games, added some others in other competitions, five in the Champions League, for example. This year, he has scored seven goals in all competitions, 23 games. You know, not as potent. You wonder if Leverkusen would take that kind of money. For him, he's valued on transfer market at 25 million euro, roughly 26, 27 million dollars. You'd probably have to overpay in salary to get him to make that move to MLS at this point in his career. He is 28. I believe he probably has another big money contract out there in Europe if he chooses to take it. But would he be interested in coming back closer to home? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think this one would be the dream of all dreams if it happened. And I think then it would you know, require a lot of other moves to make it fit. But if you were able to get a player of that stature, of that you know, ability on the field and ability to move the needle and bring in revenue off the field, you have to consider it and you have to look at would it work. And you have to make a decision on do you shift your plan to make something like that happen? I don't know. I would be absolutely shocked if it did, but you never know in the world of soccer, as we found with a lot of things since Atlanta United launched. And even with some of the uh, failures with an Oscar Romero, nobody expected him to end up in China, but that's what looks like is happening. So there you go. There's a deeper dive into some players that could be a good fit for Tata Martino's system. Uh, if you have any questions, bring them to the ATL Soccer Chat tonight on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Dirty South Soccer. My name is Jason Longshore, one of the managing editors at DSS. Uh, I'll see you guys tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for always supporting what we do and talk to you all next time. <laughs>